Welcome to the Academy Tech Talks. My name is Sabrina, and I want to welcome you to a very special episode as we are re-releasing our 2020 Christmas Carol radio play, starring Tom Fulton and the classes of 2021 and 2022. Happy holidays! From the Academy of the Performing Arts. When Scrooge awoke, it was so dark that looking out of bed, he could scarcely distinguish the transparent window. The chimes of a neighboring church struck the four quarters, so he listened for the hour. Scrooge lay in this state until the chime had gone three quarters more, when he remembered of a sudden that the ghost had warned him of a visitation when the bell tolled one. At length, the clock broke upon his listening ear. Ding dong, ding dong. A quarter past. Ding dong, dong, ding. Half past. Ding ding dong, dong. A quarter to it. Dong dong, dong, ding. One? It was past two when I went to bed. The clock is wrong. An icicle must have gotten into the works. It is impossible that I can have slept through a whole day and far into another night. Is this a dream or not? Light flashed up in the room upon the instant and the curtains of his bed were drawn. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside, I tell you, by a hand. The curtains of his bed were drawn aside. And Scrooge, starting up into a half-recumbent attitude, found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. She stood faintly transparent, with an elegant arched brow and a grandmotherly face, whose eyes were bright as a blessing and whose mouth smiled cheerfully at the trembling Scrooge. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. You don't look like a ghost. Thank you. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No. Your past. What business is that of yours? Your welfare. I cannot help but think that a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end. Your reclamation, then. Take heed, rise, and walk with me. The grasp, though gentle as a woman's hand, was not to be resisted. He rose, but finding that the spirit made toward the window, he clasped her robe in supplication. I am a mortal, and it's liable to fall. Bear but a touch of my hand. There. 
and you shall be upheld in more than this. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. The city had entirely vanished. Not a vestige of it was to be seen. The darkness and the mist had vanished with it, for it was a clear, cold winter day with snow upon the ground. They were walking along a road, Scrooge recognizing every gate and post and tree until a little market town appeared in the distance with its bridge, its church, and winding river. Some shaggy ponies now were seen trotting towards them with boys and girls on their back, gigs and carts, who called to other children in bright wintry morning. All these children were in great spirits and shouted to one another until the broad fields were so full of merry music that the crisp air laughed to hear it. Good heavens, I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. And those children, these are classmates of mine. Oh dear, bless me. Why, there's Johnny Hill and William and Mary Walker. <laughs> and funny Tommy Milford. Hello, Tommy boy. Hello there, Elizabeth. These are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Scrooge was conscious of a thousand odors floating in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long, long forgotten. Your lip is trembling. And what is that upon your cheek? It's nothing. It's just that... Uh, look, they are leaving. Let us see your school. You remember the way. Remember it? I could walk it blindfold. Strange to have forgotten for so many years. Let us go on. With a wave of her hand, the field disappeared to be replaced with a mansion of dull red brick. With a little weathercock surmounted cupola on the roof, the bell hanging in it. The school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. Scrooge glanced anxiously toward the door. It opened, and a little girl, much younger than the boy, came darting in and putting her arms about his neck and often kissing him. Dear, dear brother, I've come to bring you home, dear brother. Home, little fan? Yes, Home, home, home. Home for good and all. Home for ever and ever. I must be dreaming, but Father sent me away. He hasn't desired me home for years. I'll never be wanted there. Oh no, Ebenezer, no. Father is much kinder than he used to be. He's a changed man. And yes, Ebenezer, yes, he wants you home. We'll be together for Christmas and your birthday, dear brother. You're to be a man. And never to come back here. Never. Oh, Fan. We'll be together all the Christmas long and have the merriest time in all the world. Why, Fan, let me look at you. You're so grown up, little Fan. You're quite a woman. My head is spinning. He took the book he had been reading so earnestly. Just moments before his sister arrived, he snatched the book off his rickety little desk and threw it high into the air. This shall truly be a jolly holiday. Come, give me your arm, and let us go quickly before the headmaster stops me. And let me never return to this dark and lonely place again. Always a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart. So she had. 
You're right. I will not deny it, spirit. God forbid. She died a woman and had, as I think, children. One child. True. Your nephew. Yes. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfares of a city, where by the dressing of the shops that here too, it was Christmas time again. But it was evening, and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge if he knew it. Know it? I was apprenticed here. They went in. At the sight of an old gentleman in a Welsh wig, sitting behind such a high desk, that if he had been two inches taller, he might have knocked his head against the ceiling. Why, it's old Fezziwig. Oh, bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again. Old Fezziwig laid down his pen and looked up at the clock, which pointed to the hour of seven. He rubbed his hands, adjusted his capacious waistcoat, laughed all over himself from his shoes to his organ of benevolence, and called out in a comfortable, oily, sweet, rich, fat, jovial voice. Oh, there, Ebenezer, Dick! Scrooge's former self. Now, grown, a young man came briskly in, accompanied by his fellow prentice. Dick Wilkins, to be sure. Bless me, yes, there he is. He was very much attached to me, was Dick. Oh, poor Dick. Dear, dear. And there's Macy's Fezziwig. Yo-ho, my boys. Mr. Fezziwig. No more work tonight. Christmas Eve, Dick. Christmas Ebenezer. Time for Christmas cheer, Mr. Fezziwig. Put down the books, light the lamps, clear the floor. Coming right up, Mrs. Fezziwig. Boy, up, up, let's get those shutters up. Yes, sir, Mr. Fezziwig, with all our hearts. It's Christmas time, Ebby. Christmas. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how those two fellows went at it. They charged into the street with the shutters. One, two, three, had them up in their places. Four, five, six, barred them and pinned them. Seven, eight, nine, and came back before you could have got to twelve, panting like racehorses. Ayo, clear away, me lads, and let's have lots of room here. Suddenly, in came Mrs. Fezziwig, one vast, substantial smile. Hilly ho, Dick! Cheer up, Ebenezer! Clear away, make room for the dancing, a tall crate there for the fiddler, keep him away from the beer. That's right, boys, Mrs. Fezziwig's Christmas challenge, clear away. It's a cherry pie for the winner, Ebenezer, and Dick Wilkins. Where's that divine young lady of yours? She'll be here, Mrs. Fezziwig, she's bringing a fruitcake and a bottle of wine. Come on, Ebenezer, let's get those tables moved up before a man can say Jack Robinson. With the wonderful old Fezziwigs looking on, it was done in a minute. The floor was swept and watered, the lamps were trimmed, fuel was heaped upon the fire, and the warehouse was as snug and warm and dry and bright a ballroom as you would desire to see upon a winter's evening. 
In came a fiddler with a music book and went up to the lofty crate and made an orchestra of it and tuned like 50 stomach aches. In came the three Miss Fezziwigs, beaming and lovable. In came the six young followers whose hearts they broke. In came all the young men and women employed by the business. In came the housemaid with her cousin, the baker. In came the cook with her brother's particular friend, the milkman. In they all came, one after the other, some shyly, some boldly, some gracefully, some awkwardly, some pushing, some pulling. In they all came, anyhow and everyhow. Away they all went, twenty couples at once. Away we go, take your partners. Hands half round and back again the other way. Down the middle and up again, round and round in various stages of affectionate grouping. Finally, old Fezziwig, clapping his hands to stop the dance, cried out, Well done! And the fiddler plunged his hot face into a pot of porter. <laughs> oh, there were more dances, and there were forfeits, and more dances. And then there was cake. And there was hot port with sugar, lemon, and spices, and there was a great piece of cold roast. But the great effect of the evening came after the roast and boiled when the fiddler struck up Sir Roger de Coverley. Then old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig, top couple too, with a good stiff piece of work to cut out for them. But if they had been twice as many, ah, four times as many, old Fezziwig would have been a match for them, and so would Mrs. Fezziwig. Ladies and gentlemen, me worthy partner in every sense of the term, Mrs. Fezziwig. <laughs> oh, my dear husband, if that's not high praise, I don't know what is. Off we go, me Christmas bride. Show us your legs, Father Christmas. And he did. Fezziwig's calves shone in every part of the dance like moons. You couldn't have predicted at any given time what would have become of them next. And when old Fezziwig and Mrs. Fezziwig had gone through all the dance... Mr. Fezziwig, don't watch your bearings, Captain. Not I, Dick Wilkins. Time to cut, Captain. Righty-o, Mrs. Fezziwig, give me the mug. And Fezziwig drained it all in time to the music. Then... He cut, leaping up into the air and clapping his heels together so gaily that stars shot out in all directions. Yes, he cut so deftly that he appeared to wink with his legs and came down upon his feet again without a stagger. When the clock struck eleven, this domestic ball broke up. Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig took their stations, one on either side of the door, and shaking hands with every person individually as he or she went out, wished him or her a Merry Christmas. When everybody had retired, but the two apprentices, they did the same to them. And thus the cheerful voices died away, and the lads were left to their beds which were under a counter in the back of the shop. 
During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene and with his former self. He corroborated everything, remembered everything, he enjoyed everything, and underwent the strangest agitation. It was not until now, when the bright faces of his former self and Dick were turned from them, that he remembered the ghost and became conscious that it was looking full upon him. A small matter to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? Why? Is it not? He has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Three or four, perhaps. Is it so much that he deserves this praise? It isn't that. It isn't that, spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it costs a f- fortune. What is the matter? <laughs> Nothing particular. Something, I think. No, no. I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all. Scrooge and the ghost again stood side by side in the open air. My time grows short. Quick! This was not addressed to Scrooge or to anyone whom he could see, but it produced an immediate effect. For again, Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of life. His face had not the harsh and rigid lines of later years, but it had begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in a morning dress, in whose eyes there were tears which sparkled in the light. It matters little to you, very little. Another idol has displaced me, and if it can cheer and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve. What idol has displaced you? A golden one. This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There is nothing on which is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth. You fear the world too much. All your other hopes have merged into the hope of being beyond the chance of its sordid reproach. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one, until the master passion... Gain engrosses you, have I not? What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I have not changed towards you. Our contract is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so, until in good season we could improve our worldly fortune by our patient industry. You are changed. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy. Your own feeling tells you that you are not what you are. I am. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often and how keenly I have thought of this, I will not say. It is enough that I have thought of it and can release you. Have I ever sought release? In words, no. Never. In what, then? In a changed nature. In an altered spirit, in another atmosphere of life, another hope as its great end. 
and everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If you met me today, you would not love me. I would. I still do. Shh! I'm trying to listen. In the ensuing silence, Belle removed the engagement ring and dropped it into the tray of an antique guinea scale, its copper plate twinkling eagerly for the weighing of money. Two small coins quickly followed into the balance tray with a final clang that instantly offset the golden rings. Up they rose. An unexpected pang burst inside Scrooge's old heart. You see, if you weigh me by gain, I weigh very little. You think I would not love you? I would gladly think otherwise if I could, but if you were free today, tomorrow, yesterday, can even I believe that you would choose a dowerless girl, you who, in your very confidence with her, weigh everything by gain? Do I not know that your repentance and regret would surely follow? I do, and I release you. With a full heart for the love of him you once were. Say something, you fool! Say something! You may have pain in this. A very, very brief time, and you will dismiss the recollection of it gladly as an unprofitable dream from which it happened well that you awoke. Don't go! It's a mistake! Don't go! Stop her, you fool! You... Belle stopped at the door and turned. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. She left him. And they parted. From his open second-story office, he watched across the street and out of his life forever. Isabel! 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 But she was gone. Spirits, remove me from this place. I told you, these were shadows of the things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me! I cannot bear it! Leave me! Take me back! Haunt me no longer! He was conscious of being whisked forward in a brilliant light, suddenly exhausted and overcome by an irresistible drowsiness, and further, of being in his own bedroom, with barely time to reel to bed before he sank into a heavy sleep. 